This is Rob Scott, and you're listening to Fundamental Shift. Hi, everybody. Today's talk is called Dealing with Death, uh, Ours and Others. Death is a very hard topic for most people to do, so I don't even expect this to be a largely downloaded show. I think... um, you know, obviously nobody wants to die. In fact, many people have a really hard time even discussing it. But it it is a uh, a sad truth or a not so sad truth that all living things seem to die. Uh, the self doesn't want to die. Fear of death is enormous. We lose loved ones all the time. We hope for an afterlife. Uh, self wants to grow and be powerful and young. It's completely opposed to its own extinction. So there is fear and sort of panic around the thought of death for many. Uh, So is there anything to be learned from becoming okay with our own death? How can we become okay with our own death? Today we're going to talk about death of the body, but also death of the self. And uh, we'll talk about how meditation relates to death and how putting your life in perspective can be really meaningful uh, and how the death of others and how we can deal with that. And we'll also talk about the desire for an afterlife and what that's doing to us and how death really makes everything deeply meaningful. Uh, death is a big part of life, so let's talk about it. Thanks for tuning in today. Right in the beginning of this talk, I want to point out that it is the self or the ego that is really concerned with uh, living on and, and being there. And we've discussed in the past that we are not only self. We are in some way connected to everything. And not everybody's aware of that, but you know, that's one of the main messages that I'm trying to convey is that there's another uh, way to experience life and, and to live. And so I guess a big question is, can that other identity or that sort of oneness feeling, can that identity help us deal not only with our own death, but also the death of others? And finally, more specifically, other types of change as well, because death is really a big change. Uh, All living things die, of course, but also situations die. Friends change. Uh, You know, some of those can be significant and can be many deaths in and of themselves, even though nobody's actually passed away. Um, You know, we die all the time in that I am not the same, uh, you know, 10-year-old boy that I once was. That person is dead. So we're all in this constant state of change, and we're all changing, and, uh, and everything is in, you know, a deep state of change. So... Meditation and dying, or death of self, um, is a really interesting and important uh, topic, and that's what I want to talk about next. I was going to name this show, quote-unquote, I Die Every Day, and that was because it was going to be more about meditation and relating to death of self, and then it made sense to really expand this into actually dying and physical death of people and and things like that, but... um, To talk about meditation and how it relates every day to sort of a dying of the self, um, death of self is a good thing. And meditation actually teaches us uh, a death of self in putting down our ego, putting down our inner sort of turmoil and wants and that treadmill of time. Uh, We're putting down the ego and just identifying with whatever you call it, the big mind or, or oneness, if you will, or stillness. Um, this type of death again is good and you obviously don't actually die and you can retain yourself as much as you want to but as an aside you'll find that this type of practice can change you fundamentally Um, 
it's important to note that truly being in the now, and I know that's, again, that's become, you know, hip almost to the point of making fun of it, but it's, it's deeply about not thinking about the future. And that is the entire thing is to watch the mind that wants to leave this moment. So in that, the now or this moment becomes much fuller and our entire attention is on it and it becomes really rich and thick and honestly more beautiful than we can even think about because we really have to experience it. It's not something that I could describe that deeply, but being truly still is a really beautiful experience. And so in doing that, many of us end up talking about eternity or a timelessness because we're not experiencing time in that moment. And that quickly falls over into uh, a talk about no death in the death of self. So the temporary idea of you, your ego that is, it dies in that moment. And what is born in the death of your ego is a fuller understanding of timelessness. So that's how a lot of spiritual teachers end up talking about you know finding eternal life and uh and living in a certain way it's finding a timeless essence of being and in that state of mind we're not concerned about what comes in the future we're not concerned about necessarily a death or anything that doesn't mean that we don't pass away it doesn't mean that we don't change but our experience is deeply different and uh, much more peaceful so that's a really important topic. Um, I don't know if I'll need to go back and clarify some of that or not, but I think, um, you know, go back and listen to that again because I think it's really, uh, really an important idea. So to clarify, ultimately, the one of the big lessons for today is really to talk about the fact that we need to watch the mind, the ego, that's so attached to being alive, that's so attached to um, continuing on. And that's the mind that ends up creating this real deep fear about death and about my life hasn't been meaningful enough and, and lots of sadness and sorrow. Uh, it's also the mind that gets attached to um, the loss of others uh, because it, it doesn't want change. It doesn't want this thing that's very natural in life, which is change and, uh, and things coming and going and passing and all that. And so the ego tends to want to attach. I talk about attachment a lot and it wants to it finds something it likes, like a person or its own life or, or something like that, and it doesn't want that ever to change. It wants permanence, and permanence isn't real. So the lesson for today really is to talk about um, dropping ego and understanding that that's a way to really deeply deal with facing our own death and understand that it's really going to be okay, that this is, this is how life is, it's what life is. Um, so that's a deeper talk. I'm going to lighten it up for just a second, and I want to talk about uh, putting our life in perspective and an and interesting way to do that. Pulling away from your life on like a timeline and looking at it from a way, if you were to imagine your uh, life going uh, left, a good friend of mine, John Hudome, uh showed me this, and it's something that I did in a certain way, but he had a great way to think about it. He said, most people think of the timeline of their life either going forward or backward or left to right. And so right now, think about your life. Your past is in a certain direction from you. It's maybe to your left, let's say, and your future might be to your right. And again, if that's backward and forward, just you know, flip it so it makes sense to you. If you think about your life in a timeline like that, you can actually sort of drift up and away and back from the timeline of your life, and you can see 
your whole life. You can see the history that you remember, and you can see the idea of the future uh, that you would like. By drifting back away and looking at what we've done and who we are and what our job is and, and what kind of parent we want to be and what kind of friend, if we move back and look at that and we look at the finite quality potentially of our life, it really can give us a different perspective on how we want to walk around and live. Pulling away from your life and looking at it on a timeline is very helpful and can put your life into a different context. Often we find ourselves just sort of drifting along, but all these events are precious. The good ones, in quotes, and the bad ones, in quotes, are really precious. So it can be useful to find that context and check in. What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to be? There's an old saying, or I think it might have been a viral email that went around way back in the day about filling a jar uh, with a marble for every year of your sort of life expectancy. So if you're, you know, in your 30s or 40s and you're supposed to live, you know, till 85, you would put, you know, say 45 marbles in a jar. And every year on your birthday, you remove one. And, you know, at first glance, people are like, well, geez, that sounds really morbid. I don't want to look that closely at it. But that's, again, us resisting our own death. What it really does is it shows the significance of our lives. You know, that too could potentially give a deeper context to your life as it goes by. If you watch, like, you know, this is what I have left. This is what's going on. We all get this erroneous sense that we're going to live forever and we're not. And uh, coming to terms with that and facing that is really uh, important and can be really, really meaningful. Not only is it meaningful to see, you know, see those marbles go down and, and put meaning to every year of your life and sort of check in uh, on your birthday, potentially, um, and I don't do that. This is the idea of it. You know, I may I may choose to do that. That's kind of an interesting thing. But what's interesting is what if you were to pass that time and you'd start to see like, oh, I'm living longer. I'm living longer. These are all these these years are gifts. You know, from the idea of how long I was supposed to live on whatever life expectancy is. Uh, you know, that might be a really neat concept as well. So um, it's it's good to accept our own death and it's good to start uh, looking at it and dealing with it. It's a very freeing. Um, thing to do. Most most young people can't do it, and as we become older, it becomes a real reality, and you can see the people that don't deal with it well. You can see the people that are panicked by it. Uh, many of them are altering their bodies to look younger than they are. Many of them are, um, you know, dealing with it not as well as others who are gracefully moving toward, um, you know, toward their own end, which is uh, a part of life. The next thing I want to cover is the afterlife. And when I originally wrote this, I wrote, you know, is there one, um, basically, who knows and who cares? But that's not really sensitive, and that's not really what I'm trying to convey. The, the important idea about an afterlife is the desire for an afterlife comes from that mind that is unhappy and wants some type of salvation. The desire for an afterlife comes from a mind that is unhappy and wants some future salvation. And we often do that within our own lives. We often think, oh, if I just get that promotion, I'll be happy. If I just get that car, I'll be happy. It's the same mind on steroids, really, that just says, ah, well, you know, if I behave correctly now, I'm going to be saved and have this wonderful afterlife. And we might have been taught that. I just want to say this as a quick aside. It, it also may have been used as a carrot and a stick for controlling people. But whether or not that's true, whether or not religions did that, uh, you know, it's really important to expose the mind that craves a better future, the ultimate of which would be some glorified afterlife. 
we tend to think that morality is based on holding us in a proper space. Our current idea of morality uh, is holding us in a proper space with the appropriate carrot and stick. And we feel like generally we need leaders to do that. Meaning that if we were to take away the idea of living a good life, uh, you know, getting us into heaven, what would be the point? Why would anyone behave well? And that idea scares many people. Um, they Im immediately imagine that if we were to take away this sort of morality or forced morality, that uh, we'd Im immediately be in anarchy and insanity and ensue, you know, that would ensue from removing those guidelines. But a sincere morality comes from seeing the beauty that's here, not a future hoped for beauty. We need to become okay with who we are without the hope for a prize. Because if we're behaving well to get into a heaven, that's carrot and stick, and our motivation is really fear-based. It's not love-based. Because fear of not getting the prize does not work as our motivation. And that's what we're seeing today. That's what we're seeing in the wars and the conflicts and all that. And in some cases, some fundamentalists and whatnot, they want the prize too much. Um, in the example of extremists who die to get into heaven, or whatever their idea of heaven might be, that obviously causes great pain and suffering as well. So to be clear, I'm not attacking people's beliefs necessarily. I'm just saying that the mind that thinks about salvation or hopes for it or gets attached to it is not the healthiest mind. And that we shouldn't use uh, a fear-based carrot and stick motivation through life. Uh, that's one of my biggest critiques of standardized religion uh, is that in most cases, you know, they're saying, if you don't behave this way, you won't get into heaven. And we teach that to our kids. And that's really a, a fear-based teaching rather than uh, a way to show them the love that's already right in their hearts and in their minds if they want it to be. So I think that's a really important idea. So now we'll move on to talking about the death of others. And man, the death of others is so hard to deal with. It is very hard to lose a family member or a loved one. We are very attached to permanence, which uh, again does not exist, and while losing things we care about will always be hard. I want to point out that coming to terms with the natural desire um, of permanence, we can make dealing with death and change much easier. If we can come to terms with the natural desire or want of permanence, uh, we can make dealing with death and change much easier. If we realize that nothing is permanent, that we don't, then we don't have unrealistic expectations around things like a loved one dying. We need to learn to face non-permanence. And this is really another thing that meditation is good for. So I, uh, I've actually had a lot of death in my life lately. I've had a lot of people that I care about pass away, um, you know, recently, say in the past year. And so I've had a lot of experience looking at this and looking at other people who were even closer uh, to some of the people that passed away around me and how they dealt with it. And uh, it is deeply sad and it is deeply hard to deal with. But um, if we can look at our own desire for that permanence and we can face it, again, potentially through meditation or, or just understanding, uh, that can really deeply help with dealing with the death of others. And, you know, you still have to go through the mourning process. You still have to grieve. But... Uh, you can do that with an attentive mind and with a caring mind, and uh, that can make these things uh, a little softer. The least healthy way that I've seen people deal with death is when they really feel 
entitled or upset or mad at God or uh, whatever because something's been taken from them. I don't deserve this. This shouldn't have happened to me. And, you know, that's not a healthy way to deal with death. And none of us are entitled to permanence. So not to kill that word, I've said it quite um, quite a few times now, but I think it's a really important point that when we can realize that things are temporary and we can see the beauty in that, uh, that really helps us deal with the passing of loved ones. Okay, next thing I want to discuss is the fact that death makes things deeply significant and I don't want to switch gears too quickly if I've maybe touched a, a note for some people, but uh, this is the positive of death, and um, it's really a, a great idea if we can wrap our minds around it. Fear of death and the unknown is obviously enormous. We're so scared of the unknown, and death is one of the largest unknowns. We don't, we don't get it. Why are we here? Why would we die? Why do we pass away? But death makes everything matter. I want you to imagine for a second living forever and the fact that that would take away value from almost everything. You'd be able to take uh, literally forever to master anything. So being a master chef or a master mechanic or a master whatever, as an example, would have no meaning. We would all have eternity to work on that and do that. And so we would all constantly be approaching everyone knowing everything and everyone you know being clear there'd be little surprise left there'd be all these things uh there'd be no risk because we'd have forever to fix any problems etc and risk is a good thing risk keeps us uh, happy and alive so i'm not saying that the idea of living forever would be horrible necessarily it would just be so very different from the existence that we have now uh and it's certainly different than most people would fantasize, you know, a lot of us would imagine that living forever, I'd be able to become ultimately rich, and I would never have to worry about sickness or any of these other things. And maybe we wouldn't have to worry about sickness, maybe we'd be sick forever. So it's a totally different idea. And the important thing here is that death makes things significant, it makes your temporary life really matter. It means that you only have this moment and you only have uh, these things to do. So uh, I guess as I say that, that that could in inspire a little bit of panic, like, wait, I've only got this moment. But in another sense, it could really make these things meaningful. The sunset that you just saw is the only one like that you're going to see. And that gives it a lot of value. It gives it a lot of, um, you know, meaning. And it can definitely give that a lot of meaning. So I'm not sure that I captured that idea as wonderfully as I feel it myself. I'd love to convey it better. But... Living forever would really take the value out of a lot of things, and it would take the value almost out of everything. And so um, it's very nice that we die. It's a very good thing, and uh, it, makes, it makes life really meaningful. So in conclusion, today we talked about death and lots of different facets of it. Uh, we talked about the fact that we're not only self, and that self is really the thing that's attached to uh, living and being and, and is so panicked by death. Uh, so there is another way that we can identify with things. We talked about the fact that death is change and that it, you don't actually just need a physical death to experience little deaths like a friend leaving you or breaking up with somebody or divorce or whatever. Um, 
We talked about the death of self and finding that through meditation and how good and liberating and freeing that can be, the way that that's the way to find the other identity, the non-ego uh, way. We talked about uh, truly being in the now and not thinking about the future necessarily. Talked about ways to put your life in perspective, both pulling away from your life on a timeline and also, you know, marbles in a jar for every year. Uh, we discussed the afterlife and the potential of carrot and stick morality. Um, we talked about the death of others and how hard that can be to deal with and, and uh, a way that we can sort of look at that a little differently and maybe deal with it differently. And we talked about death potentially making everything really, really deeply significant. Uh, that's been my talk for today. I'm going to leave you with some jazz. Uh, feels like a good, good day for jazz. So enjoy that. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, have a great day. Be kind to yourself and everybody else. Bye-bye.
for Terion Gully on the drums, ladies and gentlemen. Terion Gully. Ron Blake on the saxophones and flute. Ron Blake. The one and only Mr. Jeffrey Keezer on the piano and keyboards, ladies and gentlemen. Jeffrey Keezer. Anyway, we are glad that you are so vibing tonight. Because in order for a live album to be effective, we must get you to make some noise. Now, if you don't make no noise, we'll put that on us. But, you know, some crowds are easier than others and harder than others. And you guys are vibing. We thank you so very much. That song is called Technicolor Nightmare. And uh, we are now going to carry on with a song written by this nasty drummer to my left. And this is called Say Something. 